Catholic men have a moral obligation to be involved in the political and civil life of their cities. However, with so much noise, character defamation attacks, and confusing rhetoric, it can often seem overwhelming. My guest today argues that it does not have to be this way. As a devout Catholic father of seven, a lawyer, and a man actively running for city council, he has already brought change to his city and plans to bring more. Guided by the moral imperatives of our faith, he is protecting families and improving the community at large. Stay with us. everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are blessed that you have joined us today. If this is your first time, please hit that subscribe button. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that bell button. And if you have not already, we would be grateful if you head over to Apple Podcasts or to Spotify and wrote us a review, give us a four or five stars. Uh, it'd just be so helpful. Sam and I are actively creating a Catholic Gentleman membership program, and uh, we are working on it. And all of these things just help expand our reach to more and more men. Sam is sorry that he couldn't be here today. He actually had laryngitis, so please keep him in your prayers. So, joining us today, we've got a great guest, Mark Cronenwet. So, Mark was born in Michigan, but has made his home for a lot of his life in the state of Texas. He is an alumnus of the University of Dallas and Catholic University Law School. And yes, you're right, he is a lawyer that works on financial services, businesses, and real estate litigations. But what is most stunning and important to our conversation is that he is stepping into the breach in the chaos of modern politics and getting things done for the common good. He was pivotal in bringing an incredible charter school to Dallas-Fort Worth, a home to hundreds of devout Catholic families. He has also served as chairman of the board of the Irving YMCA, Tax Increment Reinvestment Zone Number 1, the Municipal Bond Commissions, and up until last month, the Planning and Zoning Commission. He is currently running for Irving City Council District 5 representative. He has seven kids ranging from college graduates, college attendees, shout out to Benedictine and University of Dallas. And he has youth that are still at that charter school that he helped bring to Dallas-Fort Worth. Wow, so that is a lot of accomplishments. Mark, I am so grateful for you joining us. How are you doing today? Doing great, John, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm glad. And I'd like to start a little bit back. Like, what got you into law in the first place? Help our listeners understand. I mean, you're a lawyer. You went to law school. A lot of people see that. Um, it triggers everyone that's listening in one way, shape, or form. So I'd love to hear your story and what got you into law. So I, I didn't grow up thinking that I was going to be a lawyer. I knew I wanted to do something. I wanted to be a married man. And so I went to college at the University of Dallas. Um, Ended up being an English major, loved literature, loved the professors there, and getting closer to graduation, contemplating whether I wanted to teach or do something in business. I wasn't sure about that, but uh, uh, I took a lot of politics classes at UD. That um, interested me a lot. I wanted to be able to possibly serve the public good. And so combination of those things about what do I do for a career? What do I do with an English degree? And how do I provide for a family kind of led me to thinking that law might be a good choice for me. Um, so I ended up applying to law school and going to Catholic University and not knowing what kind of law I would practice after I got out, got out of there, but um, uh, really enjoyed a lot of the constitutional law classes that I took and um, ended up uh, 
working for the Court of Appeals in Waco. I'm getting a little bit ahead of, my, of myself here, but that's good. Uh, I got the invitation to come on to your program. I started thinking about you know how how uh, faith has affected me. That's a large point of which your of your of which your uh, program is here. And I was thinking about all the different people that have interacted with me throughout my life, people, good people, and directing me in one way or another. And um, so when I was at uh, in law school, well, actually before I went to law school, when I was at the University of Dallas, I, uh, I worked for uh, a gentleman on campus named Duncan Manning in the uh, career services and the uh, in the development office. And uh, Duncan uh, had an uncle that was on the Court of Appeals in Waco. And so Duncan, because we got along real well, he wanted to help me. So he arranged for me to have an internship with his uncle between my second year and third year of law school. So I took him up on that opportunity, went to Waco, and uh, got to know Bobby Cummings, the uh, justice there on the Court of Appeals. Mm -hmm. And um, Duncan wanted to make sure I did a good job for him. So he maybe maybe promised that I would work hard, and, and I did, and uh, got along famously with uh, Justice Cummings. So much so that at the end of the internship, he wanted me to come work for him, which was a little bit interesting, especially in Waco, because as you might expect, there's a very heavy ba a Baylor influence there. And yeah. um, I was not only coming from outside of Waco, but from a Catholic institution. And um, But uh, he very graciously invited me to join the court as a research attorney. So I ended up doing that um, after my third year of law school. Wonderful. And, and give us a little bit of uh, time frame. When, when was this happening? Uh, what, what time in, in the life of Waco? What, what year were you uh, pursuing all this? So I was in Waco from 1994 to 1997. There you go, in the 90s. That's great. And so were you born Catholic or did, Cat did Catholicism come along later? Uh, you mentioned that it had an influence. And uh, why don't you mention or talk to us about that a little bit? So, yeah, so I grew up in Monroe, Michigan, which is uh, kind of a small town, like halfway between Detroit and Toledo on, on Lake mm -hmm. Erie. And uh, I went to public school from K to six. And, um, and this is another example of, of somebody that's um, affected my life. Um, the public schools in that town weren't the greatest. But my sixth grade teacher, public school teacher, who was a Catholic lady, she wanted to um, help me get into a, a Catholic school at the time, St. John's. Um, Catholic school there in Monroe. And uh, my, we weren't a very wealthy family. We didn't have the resources really to pay for that tuition. So she actually paid for my tuition to go to wow. St. John's for junior high. And then and then I got a scholarship uh, out of St. John's to go to um, high school, Monroe Catholic Central High School, which was run by the Brothers of the Holy Cross. Uh, so I, I did grow up in a, in a Catholic family. It was um, you know in the 70s and early 80s. So there was a lot of the Catholicism being taught wasn't the greatest. It was um, a lot of feelings and a lot of um, not much orthodoxy being taught. And so yeah. um, I, and I had not, uh, nobody in my family had gone to college before, so I really didn't even um, know what I was looking for. And But um, after I took the uh, the PSAT, you know, you typically get some information sent to you by different colleges, and UD sent me information. And, and at a certain level, it just struck me that UD was um, so focused on uh, spiritual development um, intellectual growth and faith formation uh, through the through the great book, a great books program like it has that um, it, it was very appealing to me. So I uh, made the trek down to Irving to visit the campus and decided to go to to, to college at UD. But um, so yeah, I did go to Catholic school from seventh grade to twelfth grade um, before going on to the University of Dallas. Yeah, well, in the University of Dallas, um, you know, I hate to say when I I grew up in Dallas Fort Worth and. 
I actually didn't know it existed first off. And then when I found out it existed, it was a couple of years before I found out that it was a great Catholic university. Um, and so that's really something to be in Michigan and to, to be have been courted by, by the university and, and made that leap. And I hear nothing but great things about University of Dallas. It's just constantly coming up in, in the circles that I communicate in that, uh, that they're doing still doing great things. So I'm glad to hear that. So I wanted to take a shift and I want to talk a little bit about uh, school choice, right? And and I want to hear your story and your influence in that because it's becoming more and more prevalent in the news today. Parents are constantly concerned about things like critical race theory or, you know, these issues being uh, really forced, if not, you know, with the attempt to indoctrinate their children into a certain way of thinking. And this concern has come up a lot. And even here in Texas, it's a concern. And so I know charter schools have been popping up. And um, and so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what was what was your influence in that, or, or even what was your motivation to to pursue this? And was it uh, in a way uh, self led for your own children, um, or what was your concern? Is that you know is is constantly um, more and more these days in the news uh, for us men to listen to? So, yeah, public ed education is a is in a mess right now, and yeah, uh, schools to a large degree of help to resolve that, to alleviate that some. And so well, 11 years ago, well, actually I had 15 years ago when we were, my wife and I were living in Dallas and uh, we were homeschooling at the time. I should say my wife was homeschooling. She, she took on all that responsibility. Yeah. And uh, as we uh, acquired more children, we kind of outgrew our house in Dallas and we're looking for a place to go to. Um, and uh, being uh, from the University of Dallas, I was familiar with, uh, with Irving and knew about the very robust homeschooling community there. And uh, so we, we moved out to Irving, got a bigger house and uh, participated in that. All the uh, the families in Irving that were uh, participating in the homeschool programs out there were teaching a classical curriculum. Many of them were UD alums and were, were very familiar with the core program from UD. And, and so what happened was while we were doing that for a few years, we had heard, I'd heard that uh, Great Hearts uh, was looking at uh, relocating or setting up a campus in, in North Texas. Uh, Great Hearts is a classical curriculum program. It started in Arizona, I don't know, 20 some years ago. They had opened some schools in the San Antonio area and were looking at coming up to, to North Texas. And um, they initially were looking at going to the Oak Cliff area, you know, just south of uh, downtown Dallas yeah. as a place to locate. Uh, but um, I knew that there would be a great demand in the Irving community for a school like Great Hearts because for one thing, it's a school teaching a, a classical curriculum like was already being taught to the homeschoolers, but it would allow the, you know, you would actually be in a school where there'd be sports programs, band programs, drama, different things like that. A teacher is a more formal, formalized situation for, you know, families that wanted that kind of education to put their children there. And the a great thing about um, schools like Great Hearts, especially in the context of um, the ISDs that we're seeing now, is that Great Hearts is not does not hire necessarily um, education majors and and uh, people with teaching certificates from most of the public schools that we see around the country. Which, unfortunately, as you know, have, there's been a, the a liberal um, intel intelligentsia has kind of like permeated those programs. And yeah. so, so to a large extent, they're, they're, they're pushing a progressive agenda that unfortunately oftentimes conflicts with people of faith, especially Catholic faith. So, but Great Hearts, you know, with Great Hearts, you don't have that conflict. You have um, a school, even though it's secular, 
they uh, they're teaching the classics. They, uh, the motto is they're, they're pursuing the good, the true, and the beautiful. And they, they see that uh, the classical texts, even those that are not in a religious context, are striving to, to achieve those goals. And they see it as a mission to actually try to improve the lives of their students and their families. It's a mission. Um, and so uh, when you have a school like Great Hearts out there, which is actually receiving public funding, it's tuition free. So a lot of families that can't afford a private school can actually send their children there and be comfortable that they're in a place where the kids are not going to be effect, so affected by that kind of like liberal ideology, but actually be in a place where the teachers are really trying to encourage the students to pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful for their for their benefit. And that benefits the whole community. So that so I'm answering your question in a long way. And that's really more from my, my personal point of view for what was appealing to me about Great Hearts and why I wanted it to be in Irving. But then there's another aspect too, which is really not even tied to the to the religious component of it, and that is that uh, being involved in Irving uh, politics for a while. When I got we got to Irving, I started serving on the Y board, as as you mentioned mm -hmm. in the introduction. Mm -hmm. I was on um, the Planning and Zoning, Zoning Commission, the Bond Commission, the TIF district. I uh, I've, I have an interest in actually improving Irving as a whole. And mm -hmm. one thing about what a charter school can do is that it gives families different alternatives and opportunities for schooling for their kids instead of just the ISD. So when you look at a, at a community like maybe like an inner ring suburb, which Irving could be considered, and a school district that um, is, is, is in, that, in that environment, it's very restrictive for what they can actually provide to, to the students. And so it really hamstrings uh, a community in trying to encourage families to stay there and to move there. And if you can bring in high-performing charter schools, then it gives families that opportunity to, to be able to go outside the ISD and provide their children with a high-quality education to further themselves um, as they try to prepare for college and to get in colleges and then to have careers afterwards. So it's really, in my mind, it's essential to have those options. Otherwise, you're, you're really limiting a, a city's ability to attract families to come and stay there. Yeah, it's a civil service, and that that's really great. And so, uh, question, kind of just jumping back, did you notice a lot of these homeschool families were homeschooling not because uh, they were necessarily uh, called to it? And I'm fans of, of homeschooling. I, I'm not trying to steer one way or another, but more so because they just didn't have those options. And so they were homeschooling to protect their kids. Was that was that common? Because I know that one of the things you mentioned is that you know, great hearts would have that opportunity to appeal to to that that homeschooling crowd. And was that something that that you and your wife's homeschooling experience had had realized that there was a lot of these people that just there wasn't an alternative? Was that um, a motivation as well? Well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so the uh, a lot of these homeschooling families, the Irving ISD or Capel ISD or um, Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD, Irving's and all three. They didn't have um, the, the programs that the homeschoolers were really looking for. And there was a danger of that indoctr indoctrination, which they wanted to avoid. And so it kind of like it, it compelled these families to have to homeschool to provide education to their to their children. And then what, what Great Arts does by actually having that classical curriculum from K to 12 in a, in a Great Books program, that, that they were able then to trust that they could actually send their kids to a, to a public school and not, and not suffer those consequences and actually get a good solid education at the same time. 
but but as you indicated, there are some families here in Irving that are still homeschooling because they yeah. they feel called to, to actually. Ha- I mean, education first and foremost is a family's responsibility, and so Amen. a lot of families take that on themselves. And even if there is other other options out there, then they'll choose that. And it, and of course, um, I haven't said this yet, but a limitation of of charter schools, at least in Texas, although this is changing in some other states with educational savings accounts or vouchers. But um, Great Arts is a public school, so it has to be secular. And so a lot of the homeschooling families, they incorporate religious instruction and even going to mass, you know, themselves as part of the, the curriculum. And Great Arts cannot do that. So there's a necessary there's a necessary limitation on what Great Arts can do for those families. That's right. Yeah, pros and cons to everything. And I would say that one of the big pros, which you you zipped into, was the fact that it's publicly funded and it's free for individuals who go. So that just opens up a huge blessing into the lives of so many, as you stated, um, that weren't necessarily called to homeschooling, but were doing so out of necessity. And um, and not that homes, people who are called to homeschooling are not doing it out of necessity. But, um, but there really is that. I find that inspiration, right, where it's not so much a, a burden constantly, a labor, you know, but it, it's it's an opportunity and a joy that that a lot of homeschooling families uh, get to get to take up on and um, and kind of raise. And so, I think that's great. Now, I do want to get a little bit um, more direct and say, but but why you? Like of all people that were to help get that to Irving, what what motivated you? Inspired you? Are you just naturally uh, driven like that, or was were you specifically looking for this opportunity and, and you heard whisperings of it and you decided to be proactive because that's one thing on the Catholic gentleman that we are always encouraging is right. Men of action, right? We, we uphold our, our, the archetypes, if you will, of to be a provider, protector, adventurer, these sort of things. And so, so I see that in a lot of what you've done. And so I'd like for you to talk just a little bit specifically about, about um, why you had your own personal motivation and, um, and then kind of the depth that you did uh, to, to really bring this into reality, because I know that there's been a lot of charter schools that have tried opening up in uh, different areas and cities in Texas, but just have failed for various different reasons. Yeah, so uh, I, I definitely feel a responsibility to serve the community, and I don't know where that comes from. Um, I've, uh, I've felt that basically my, my whole life, um, being involved, you know, in the students for the Catholic Students Association and law school, and then being involved in community efforts in Waco and then coming up to, and then in Dallas, Dallas is a little bit different because it's so big, but I was involved in the Thomas More Society, which is our Catholic lawyers group in Dallas. Yeah. That was kind of like my way of, of serving the community um, back then before moving to Irving. And uh, getting to Irving, I, I, I felt uh, a need to actually like try to do things to try to help our community. And that's why, I, I, so one, and with the homeschooling families, one of the main things that we kind of did is a, uh, way of getting all the families together in addition to the cooperative classes was we played kids sports at the YMCA. And so yeah. looking around at the YMCA, I seemed like there was ways we can, it could be improved. And so started acting as a coach and getting on the board there. And that just kind of like led to these, my service on these other boards as well. And so, and then kind of paying attention to things that were going on. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't actually know about great arts efforts to come to um, te- North Texas uh, on my own, I wasn't. I didn't receive any of that communication. But then I heard from some of the families that there was a, um, a meet and greet of sorts in Oak Cliff, and uh, and talked to some folks about that. And then hearing that they were coming to North Texas, uh, wanting to serve my community, not just serving, but especially the 
what we call the icon community. There's kind of there's yeah. a Google group called Irving Catholics Online. So it's kind of an umbrella group for I guess for Catholics and Irving. So trying to benefit the icon community to um, see if Great Arts would come to to Irving so that the homeschool families could take advantage of that and have that option for their kids. Yeah, that's terrific. And I um, do you know how many Great Hearts are now in the Dallas Fort Worth area? I know they've been able to expand. There's there's only one in Dallas County, but there there are five or six. Uh, I think right now in Tarrant County, I don't ha have the exact wow. number ahead of me, but they've they, they've benefited by philanthropy in Tarrant County that hasn't been available to them in Dallas County, and so that's kind of like fueled their growth to the west. Well, uh, I mean, thank you for all that, and I really appreciate it. So I do want to take a moment now, and I want to shift to uh, politics. And so, I mean, that's another big aspect of your life that that I find incredibly admirable. And and I say that just as a as a man that kind of sees from the outside, right? Politics can honestly seem like a hopelessness these days. Um, I mean, I do know, and uh, that. And I, you know, I just grabbed for this uh, meeting here that uh, even on the USCCB's website that our bishops claim that the Catholic tradition affirms that responsible citizenship is a virtue and participation in political life is a moral obligation, right? So we have a moral obligation. Um, and and I want to go into all that, but I want to go back and just kind of talk about, you know, this sort of politics are so polarizing today. It can seem so hopeless. It can seem so... Um, you know, uh, uh, filled with just heated arguments and ad hominems and not really for the common good, which what we're called to. But you saw through all that. You you found a way of saying, you know what, it is a moral obligation. And maybe it was through, you know, the, the intercession of St. Thomas More, such an incredible man. But I'd love to hear about that. Why did you decide to start using your um, abilities as a lawyer, your knowledge, uh, seeing the noise, but not getting disheartened by the noise and deciding to pursue help in your community. It goes back to what we were talking about before with uh, the influence of faithful people in our in our lives, and in my life in particular. And like I said, I've always um, felt that drive to serve my community and um, through the grace of the Holy Spirit. and. Um, but then coming across different people in my life that like pushed me in different directions. So coming to Irving, um, being a Y coach, I got to meet the city manager of Irving at the time, a guy named Tommy Gonzalez, very mm -hmm. faithful man, very strong personality and talking about Irving politics and what was going on. And Tommy let me know that there was, there was a board that needed somebody on it, the TIF number one. So Tommy is the one, I mean, I, I didn't even know what a TIF was. But um, Tommy explained what it was and what the what the role would be, and it's it's purely economic. There's nothing uh, really religious about it at all. But um, but it was an opportunity to serve the community in in that way, and so um, that got me going with that. And then that led to, you know, I guess, being on that board and getting to know members of the of the leadership in Irving led to the, my appointment on the bond commission and then to the planning and zoning commission. But then uh, getting to where we are now with the uh, the city council race. That that really, when I was serving on these boards, I always, I was asked if I ever had any ambitions to running for city council. And my first thought was, I know how much they do. Those the city council members that want to do it right, it's a it's a lot of time, a lot of energy that is spent on that. Something that I did not really feel that I had, mm. being a full time lawyer, um, father of seven kids, and uh, and and being involved in the stuff that I was involved in. 
but uh, but last year, um, a number of ICON members got together and decided to form a PAC called Families for Irving. And that PAC last year supported uh, three candidates for city council, and uh, two of them were elected. Uh, one was unopposed, so that was great. And then one was uh, one lost to an incumbent who's very popular, uh, ran a very good race, was very close, much closer than people expected. And then the other one actually won in a contested race. But the, the Families for Irving PAC is, is, uh, consists of faith, faithful members of the church who want to make Irving a place that, um, where we can raise our families in a, in, a, uh, in a safe environment, in a place that encourages families to, to be in. And they, they, they're, able, they're very motivated. They're able to raise money for mailings and signs, for uh, evaluating issues, for looking into uh, the different other candidates to see what's, uh, what's involved in trying to like, uh, run a race and what needs to be done to actually win that race. We have a political, a professional political consultant who's a member of the PAC. And so, so while I was initially thinking, oh, there's no way I could ever have the time or the resources to run for city council, along comes this PAC with, um, with all these resources, financial, um, intellectual, and, uh, and just general support where you, I'm able to actually run the campaign and feel like, you know, this wouldn't just be just a tremendous burden that would be almost impossible to do. I actually have the assistance of these other of the other men and women to help us help me in that endeavor. And so that's what actually persuaded me then to run for city council and and realize that, um, like you said, it can seem very daunting. Uh, there's so many issues out there in, in the public. We hear all these terrible stories, but but like the the folks that started the family families for Irving Pack, and I wasn't one of them. I didn't start it. But if we can actually focus on our local municipality and try to make it a place that's that's more livable for Catholic families, then we can do that. We can actually start there. We can focus on some of the issues that are most important to our community. Although, like for one thing, you know, our public tax dollars are used to buy pornographic materials in our libraries, and mm. uh, the two city councilmen that uh, the, the PAC supported last year, one in particular, Brad Lamorgis, I'll mention his name because, and he's very out there. You can look at the city council meetings and the work session meetings that are all recorded. Brad has done a ton of work to evaluate the city's library policies see, and to disassociate the uh, city's public library policies from automatically being tied to the American Library Association policies, which are very progressive and allow mm. for these books to be purchased. Um, creating a, a policy that um, prevents pornography from, uh, from being bought um, and put into our libraries, especially not into our young adult section where, where they are right now. Anyway, that's just one example of the, of one type of policy that um, is very uh, injurious to our community that if yeah. we actually focus on politics at a local level, we can have a direct impact on that very quickly. And, uh, and that's happening here in Irving. Yeah, that really does affect the lives of, of everyone. And and Satan's everywhere, right? He's he's not he's in the details and, and including in our library system. I was unaware of that. I appreciate you you sharing that information. And so I'd like for you to speak to men just a little bit about that moral obligation of getting involved because 
kind of going back, I do feel like there's there's a lot of armchair politicians, right? And to some degree, because the amount of overwhelming noise that we have in the news and all these things, everybody feels invested to some degree, uh, uh, more or less. Uh, some people take a passive approach. Others people take a very direct, uninformed um, and, uh, and kind of belligerent approach. Um, but us as Catholic men, we have to, uh, we do have to stand into the breach. We do have to stand up. And so I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about um, or what you would say to men about that obligation that they each individually could be doing uh, to help or to get involved, because very often, and I know myself included, when I first got married, I was clueless as to how to get involved within my local uh, society. And I remember hearing Jordan Peterson not too long ago, uh, who was talking about uh, talking to a parent that was complaining about the public school systems, and he directly asked them, well, are you involved in the PTA? What are you doing? And, and they weren't doing any of that stuff. They were just sitting back watching it happen and 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 angry about it. And so I, I'd love for you to uh, speak to that that level of obligation and how men can get involved. There's definitely, we all have that obligation. We have a duty to try to improve our community. And it's, it's hard, I don't think there's a blanket rule for how you go about doing that. It kind of depends on where you are, what you're dealing with. I kind of like suggested that like when I was living in Dallas, I, I didn't I didn't really have a mechanism for getting involved in Dallas politics at that point, but I could mm-hmm. get involved in the Thomas More Society. So I did that. And and really it kind of like led to a lot of different uh, ways for me to have a greater involvement in my community. So I think that if 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 you're feeling that urging that uh, that direction from the Holy Spirit, act on that. Find out what's available for you to be able to do. It could be any number of things, and you don't know where that's going to lead. You have to have faith in the Holy Spirit that's going to cause you to move in different directions. And you, it's important to listen to that. And I, I, I can't say that I, t- I can't take any credit for like thinking I had any, like I said, I actually, I had no ambition to run for city council, but I tried to be open to hearing um, other people in my life uh, give me direction for for what I, what can be done and what, how I can get involved to have that influence. And another one I, I didn't mention before, actually, but this is very important too, is that um, my wife, who I met on a blind date, was before the first Red Mass uh-huh. in Dallas, and I went to the Red Mass okay. with the big annual event for the Thomas More Society. Um, uh, Susanna, uh, and her maiden name is Everett. So Susanna's dad, John, was the director of the White Rose Crisis Pregnancy Center in Dallas for years. He passed away in, in 2006. But um, again, it, so with um, getting to know Susanna and her dad and her mom, her mom's very involved in the White Rose even still, um, that got me to be involved in the White Rose and helping to fundraise for them. Um, I, I do pro bono work for the White Rose. And so mm-hmm. that's that's something else too, that just um, by um, listening to people and being open to what's around me, I was able to actually serve my community by being involved in the White Rose as well. And so it small steps have a large effect. And so I, I think the, the, important, the most important thing is to listen to the Holy Spirit, see what's available to you, and don't be um, overwhelmed by thinking it's just impossible an impossible task. Do what you can, and you never know if something like the, all of a sudden this pack is formed in Irving that then enables me to run for city council. And here I am in this very active campaign mm-hmm. where I am the front runner. There's five candidates, but I'm the leading candidate in the race. And if I can get on, get on that city council, then we can have a, a majority that can have, wield a lot of influence for how policy is made in the city of Irving. 
Well, praise God. I'd encourage every man to pause the episode right now and to offer up a prayer for Mark as he is pursuing this, um, uh, this, um, uh, you know, race and, uh, and, and pray for his, his success and that God's will might, might truly be done. Uh, so, I appreciate that. Did you have any um, help from your parish? Um, I, I know that unique to uh, Irving, there's such a homeschool, you know, uh, you know, Catholic. You were involved in in White Rose, the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Um, but uh, what about your parish? Was that uh, helpful in any way? I don't actually know where you go to church, but <laughs> I'm curious if uh, if there's other individuals there because immediately in my mind, I think that would be a, a good place for men to turn is to you know talk to their priests and talk to other men at their parish, get involved there as well. And, and that can be an avenue for the Holy Spirit to move. But I'm curious uh, with you if that was something that was helpful. So not, not the parish directly. Uh, we, we still belong as parishioners to Christ the King in Dallas. Okay. My wife's family was uh, belonged to when, when she was growing up. Yeah. And she actually taught second grade there and also parishioners at Holy Family in Irving. But okay. uh, we, we, we typically attend Mass either at the Cistercian Abbey or the University of Dallas. Yeah. Uh, so... Not, I do have a fair amount of contact with uh, the, some Cistercian monks, and they have been very supportive of me and giving me guidance. And um, and with the icon community that I mentioned, uh, and the and the pack, uh, talking to a lot of uh, Catholic men in the community, they give me a lot of guidance and a lot of support and uh, ideas for how to pursue the campaign. And they, they've been phenomenal. Yeah, that brotherhood is so helpful. I'm so glad to hear that. And so honestly, for one of my final uh, questions in our conversation, Sam and I are no strangers to just irritating people or making people mad by our, our faith, by our stance. Uh, we we don't take hardline stances on on much, but I have a saying that the internet always wins, right? It doesn't matter what you do, you're going to make somebody mad. And so... Um, how do you handle things like that, like ad hominem attacks, character defamation, defamation, uh, these sort of things when your own personal life is being put under a microscope? Like, how do you see above that? How do you hold yourself as a man above those things and not allow uh, them to to take you down or to bring, you know, darken your um, your emotions and uh, and what you're pursuing for the common good? Yeah, I, I have a, one of my opponents in the race right now is very active on social media and he's made a lot of unfounded accusations. Like saying that I'm trying to steal his signs, uh, accusing me of violating <laughs> my ethical campaign pledge, and and that, and that is it's uh, definitely an annoyance, and it's not something that I'm I'm glad to be dealing with, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but if, you know when we're when I'm looking at the race, you know, for what we can actually do for the city of Irving for our community, if I were to be on city council, it's just noise, and so I'm able just to to look past that. Uh, I know, like when this uh, this guy came up to me at a city council meeting, we were standing in the back. And uh, he started challenging me and uh, accusing me of, of things that were not true and talking about how this wasn't his first rodeo and all this sort of stuff. I just I just said, excuse me, I'm, I need to go over here and just walked away from it. I'm not going to be distracted by that stuff. I'm not going to be drawn down into that spiral. I'm going to try to I'm going to stay on point, try to run a strong campaign, because ultimately I just want to get on city council and, and not be embroiled in some sort of like uh, tit, tit for tat with a guy. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, but my, my experience as a lawyer actually helps helps me with that helps me with that too, because I, I get accused of all sorts of things as a lawyer. So been sure. sued, you know, by my opponents many times, and um, some, I'm, I I do have that experience of dealing with those things, which is which has been very helpful too. 
How do you, how does your faith life uh, guide you in these? And I guess what I was thinking about is we have such a diverse society and, and how do you find yourself um, making decisions on behalf of the common good uh, with such a diverse society? Does, how does that play in? Uh, I definitely have my, my faith informs me for, you know, what is actually the, the best way to live our lives. And um, of course, my experience at the University of Dallas and uh, studying uh, theology and philosophy there, a lot of politics there, uh, gives me a sense for what uh, the, a, a good community should be. And so that, that's basically how I formed in my mind for what we, we should be trying to achieve. And I pray for that. And I try to be open to the Holy Spirit and trying to achieve that. And that's how I go about running the campaign and how I go about trying to pursue these ends. Yeah, exactly. Because what's good for Catholics is good for society because it's based off of the natural and moral law um, of, of the lives that we are all bound to, whether we want to be or not. So I appreciate that. And I know you brought up St. Thomas More, and so I thought it would be pertinent uh, to mention a comment that he had for encouraging men that you wouldn't abandon the ship in a storm just because you couldn't control the winds. And so I see that in your life, and I really am blessed to um, been able to dialogue and for our listeners to be able to dialogue with you, Mark. So any final words uh, for our listeners? Don't be discouraged. Uh, I guess be not afraid to listen to what John Paul II said. Those, uh, I, I take those words to heart. I try to um, ambitiously and aggressively uh, pursue these these goals uh, for, for my community. I'm not going to be distracted by, by noise or by these um, negative comments. I'm going to try to keep my eye on the ultimate goal of getting on the city council and do, doing what I can to make my community the best place it can be for families in Irving. Amen. Thanks be to God. Well, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you joining us on this episode. And uh, so thank you so much. John, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And as we like to end each of our episodes, be a man, be a saint. <laughs>